This is PodQuest with your host, David Marlowe. Welcome to PodQuest. I'm thrilled to have my guest today who believes that good things come to those who journal. And she knows what she's talking about, both because she is the queen of journaling. I think I gave you that title, so she didn't declare herself that. But also because she has used journaling to make it through her own teenage years, thrive through unexpected life events, and raise her own kids in their teenage years and keep her keep her sanity. So it must be working. She's also the model for the value and use of our verse. And I am excited to talk about all of those things today with Amanda Stern. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me today. Thrilled to have you. Thrilled to have you. And excited to share about, about the power of journaling and using your verse. Before we get going on either of those things, you said something the other day that made me incredibly jealous because you have talked with the Ellie Weisel, who happens to be the inspiration for the title of this podcast and the format and the, the questing to know one another that really ignited my desire to even have these conversations. So tell us about, tell us about your brush with greatness with yeah. Ellie Weisel. I was in college at Boston University. He was a professor there, and he taught a class every semester. And I got into his class one year. I think it was my senior year, second semester of senior year. And the class was first novel, great novel, where he picked a whole bunch of authors and we read their first novel and their greatest novel and talked about really the journey from start to greatness and what it takes. And it was really, now that I'm thinking about it, an guy journey. You know, how each author, each writer went from where they were to where they wanted to be and finding their purpose along the way. Wow. That is, yeah, that's even better. You're right. That's really yeah. cool. And and what did you catch it when you, when you read these authors? You, I mean, obviously their, their writing skill must have changed, but what else did you notice about that? Yeah, I think... It was a long time ago now. I think what I noticed most was growth. That no matter how good our starting point is, there's always room for growth. And there's always ways we can grow and change. And it's through that growth and change that we are able to have really the maximum impact on others. That there are people we can help here now but also at each step as we learn and grow and have more to share and more to bring into all we do, there's just so much more impact. Wow. What a great insight. And I, and I gave that to you cold. So I appreciate it. With that. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so you got to, you didn't just like meet him in a coffee shop and say, hi, I'm a big fan or anything like that. You, you got to encounter him for a whole semester. Yeah, and it was a pretty small class. I don't think there were more than 30 students in there. And we were required as part of our grade to meet with him in office hours. And I was thinking, you know, as you had posted about it, what we did in those office hours. And I think we just talked. I think he did very much what you're doing right now. Just asked me a question and let me talk. And then he asked more questions because he was curious. And I think we just talked about me and my life, which I can't imagine as a 22-year-old, like the life I was leading was really that exciting to him. But I just remember the feeling of being listened to and being seen and being valued for who I was, not for anything I had done or had potential to do. Wow, what a gift. Yeah. What a gift, right? And that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what... It, he said and something like that in the idea that we are on this quest and that quest is you are my question i am your question and then we have dialogue and then when we're, we're answering each other's questions we're getting to know ourselves along the way it sounds like that's exactly what he was living out with his students wow how cool is that yeah, it, well, it was we're kind of done experience. here i think i think we're done here and we, yeah. we pretty much gone as deep 
It's <laughs> awesome. Oh, what an unexpected, unexpected insight. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that and, and doing that completely cold. Nope. <laughs> I didn't tell you what I'd be talking about. And let's talk about journaling a little bit. I mean, I think everybody understands journaling in the sense that we ought to, like, like they understand exercise, they understand eating right. We all ought to do it. Okay. Right. And yet it seems this overwhelming thing. And what I love about your approach is you make it approachable, but let's talk about just journaling in general. What's, why is it so hard? you think for people to journal and what's the value of doing it? Yeah, I think it's hard because so many people have this small idea of what journaling is. We think journaling is this small thing has to look a certain way to fit inside a certain kind of box. And if that works for us, great. We love journaling. And if that doesn't work for us, it doesn't feel good. And I've spoken to so many people who say to me things like, I want to journal. I feel like journaling could be helpful. And every time I try it, like it just doesn't do anything for me. And as I dig in with people, it always seems to be a case of they want their journaling to do something for them that maybe they can articulate, maybe they can't. And the way they're journaling is not going to get them there. I spoke to somebody a few weeks ago who was outlining all of the ways that he wanted journaling to help him, wanted to be really more focused in finding his direction and getting getting where he wanted to be and creating this life and this business that he loved. And he was showing me how he journaled. And I was like, oh, I can see why that's not satisfying for you. Because the way he was doing it, while not wrong or bad, just was not putting him on the trajectory to get the outcomes he wanted. So journaling can do so many beautiful things for us. It can help us better understand who we are, better understand what we think and how we feel. It can help us to be more focused and productive, to find clarity, to find solutions to problems. It can help us be more action-oriented and goal-oriented, setting goals and tracking our progress toward them. It can help us be more grateful and so, so much more. But there's no one-size-fits-all here that there are different techniques that will give us different outcomes. And I always love to think about the imagery of a toolbox because at home, we all have a hammer in our toolbox and a hammer is really good at some things. We can put nails in the wall. We can pull nails out of the wall. We can smash lids back on paint cans, but that hammer is never going to be able to fix our bathroom sink. We are going to need a wrench and a pair of pliers and a screwdriver probably, depending on what you know, is broken in our sink. So having a well-stocked toolbox and knowing what we have and when and how to use them helps us get our fix-it jobs. The same with journaling, that there's no one-size-fits-all. You know, there's no hammer that's going to take care of all of our journaling needs. So being able to have a variety of tools and techniques and exercises and prompts we can pull out and knowing when and how to use them just helps us take care of all of our inner stuff. Oh, I like the toolkit analogy. Yeah. Because it seems like, I mean, I know uh, he's now my mentor, but my coach that I, I was with for several years, one of the first things, he his requirement was you will have to journal to work with me. He wouldn't work with me any other way. And and feel like there's a lot of that where we all know, again, it's it's important to do. How do I do it? And you just mentioned there are many ways to do it. There's no wrong way yet. There sounds like there's some more effective ways, depending on what you want to do. So what are some of the ways that you, you've encountered people, reasons rather, that people want to journal? Why are they, you know, why are they journaling? What are they giving you as far as reason? Yeah. I hear a lot of, I'm, I'm really anxious, right? I'm overwhelmed. There's lots of stuff going on in my life and I need some way to be able to work through it and be able to process it all, right? We live in these busy, busy worlds where we're doing so much all of the time that journaling helps us slow down and really be more mindful. And really, I always say journaling slows us down long enough to catch up with our racing thought, which doesn't sound like it makes any sense until you understand 
till you try it and understand, oh, it's the it's the only way to describe it. The speed thing. Um, I hear that a lot. I hear there's so much I have to remember, right? My head is overloaded with all of the stuff and I'm doing so much trying to remember that I can't think creative thoughts. I hear that a lot. I hear variations of, I don't know what's next for me, right? I feel like there's more that I should be doing and I don't know how to find it. Maybe journaling can really help get that insight. I hear a lot of, I want to show up better at work. I want to be a better manager. I want to be more focused, more productive. I want to really, you know, up-level my skills. And journaling can help with all of that. Let's go through a scenario so people want to, you know, know what they should be doing, that kind of thing, especially in the Ikigai space. That's a common common thing and common theme. Would somebody, what would you recommend someone do to start that process? Yeah, I think it all starts with getting to know ourselves and getting comfortable with putting, getting comfortable with giving ourselves reflective space and time and a practice. I always speak of journaling as writing and recognize that is not the only way to do it. There are a lot of people who have really satisfying journaling practices through audio notes or videos. Um, But for the purpose of this, I'm just going to say writing, right? Giving ourselves the opportunity to just feel comfortable with that practice is a really good first step. And then from there, getting really comfortable with ourselves. Because not all of us are comfortable in our own skin. We are not all of us comfortable with our own thoughts. You know, I'm sure you see it with with people left and right, you know, folks really clamoring for conversation, for just filling in the gaps because they don't know how to be quiet with themselves. They're afraid of what they might see. And this was me for a very, very long time. So learning to use my journal to really reflect and get comfortable with who I am and get comfortable with my thoughts. Because if I'm not comfortable being able to think my thoughts and knowing what thoughts I'm thinking, it's going to be really hard for me to do any of that deep work that's required to really go on this Ikigai journey. Um, But I love with journaling that it's really a great way to discover ourselves. And I've noticed this really beautiful path that we walk when we journal, which is self-discovery which leads to self-compassion, which leads to self-love, which is so important on this journey. So so you're not just talking like blindly here. You've used this in your own life through some pretty tough times. Why don't you share some of the ways and some of the things about your own, just your own journey? Yeah. So I will share two of the most significant experiences. And the first one was when I was an angsty teenager and first discovered journaling for the first time. I was having a really hard day. None of my friends could come to the phone. And I just felt all of these really big feelings and didn't know what to do with them. And so I really, out of desperation, picked up a notebook and a mechanical pencil and I started to write. And I remember that I wrote for a really long time. And when I was done writing, I felt better. Like I felt lighter and I was like, oh, there is something here. And so I picked up my pen the next night and again the next and built this beautiful journaling practice, which anchored me in my life and really served um, at that time to witness that I'm I'm here. Because, you know, when we're, especially when we're young and we're unsure of ourselves and our place in the world, it was really my way of witnessing and attesting to that. I am in this life and I am living it and me being here matters. And here is all of the proof. And I journaled that way for a really long time. And it was really a historical way of journaling. It was, I was up at six o'clock and I showered and I ate Pop-Tarts for breakfast and I went to school and here's who I talked to and here's what I did. You know, and it was very much a play-by-play, um, which served me really well because it was an opportunity for me to really look at my life that I was living, to process how I was thinking and feeling about it all and make some connection um, and be able to see patterns that I hadn't before. Um, Fast forward a whole bunch of years, I got married, I had small children, 
And all of a sudden, I wasn't writing very often at all because I was busy and I was tired and there was always somebody around who needed my attention. And worse, I really genuinely thought I would remember all of the things, these cute and funny and wonderful things my children did that my mother told me, write down because you won't remember them. And I thought, no, my memory is really good. Well, my memory is really good for a while until the next wonderful thing happens, right? And so the things I remember most are the things that I took the time to write down. And along the lines, I realized um, that not only did I miss out on documenting their lives when they were young, I missed out on a whole lot of years of getting to know myself and who I was and what I wanted and what I wanted my life to be. And so about nine years ago, it really came to a head when my then husband came home and told me, point blank, I finally decided I would be happier not being married to you. And I didn't know what I was going to do. It came from out of the blue, it felt like, though, if I had been paying more attention to my own life, I probably would not have been so blindsided. But I knew I had a choice to make. I could allow myself to spiral into negativity, or I could reach out and grab hold of every good thing that came my way. And that is what I chose. And I started with my journal. And I started by making myself write what I was grateful for. And it was really hard because I did not feel grateful for very much in that moment. But I came up with eight things. And I thought, if I could be grateful for eight things on this hardest day of my life, I'm going to be okay. And I used my journal at that point, similarly to how I journaled when I was a teenager, though my techniques were different, as a way to figure out who I was, what I wanted, where I wanted to go, and how I was going to get there. So for me, journaling is not just a nice to-do if I have some extra time. It is a critical activity I do for myself on the regular to move my life forward and grow into the person I want to be. Wow. That sounds almost like the novel, first novel, last novel sort of path and journey as well, right? Yeah. Very similar. Oh. I can't even imagine like, like absorbing that and sitting down and writing down, having a gratitude practice. What a, what, what a good bit of self-awareness even to start that. Well, and I will tell you, David, it's because I had journaled so much in the past that enabled me to call on that practice. I don't think there's any way I would have ever thought to turn to my journal had I not had a previous history of knowing I could turn to my journal. So again, even though I was not a regular journaler at that point, I had built up that muscle enough to be able to fall back on it and know that it would catch me. Yeah, very good. I love the thing too, just to one step back to about tracking the things your kids are doing. I know one thing that I was grateful for that my daughter-in-law did, she set up emails for both of her, her children and our grandkids, our first two, as a matter of fact, and ask us to send them notes and then she's saving that for them. And it's has been as much for me as it is for them because it will, will do things like share stories. So I'll share a quick story that my, my oldest granddaughter is now six. Her brother, our first grandchild, is going to be nine here soon. And she told me the other day, she goes, I wish I was a, tw I wish Easton and I were twins. I'm like, really? Why is that? Well, because Easton can read. Easton knows how to read and she wants to be able to read. And she actually is, is starting the, the process and is reading more than she realizes, but she's not reading at his level. And she just wishes she could read more, but, but she expressed it. And she wanted to be his twin. And I just thought that was so sweet. And, and so her, and I've written it down because I want to keep that. But that's the kind of memories that, like you said, I'll never forget that. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's amazing how slippery our memories are. Um, I'm thinking about an experience I had a couple of years ago. I walked into the kitchen and my son was spreading cream cheese on a bagel. There's nothing weird about that. Like, that's a normal thing we do at our house on the regular. But what was interesting is I happened to notice what kind of cream cheese he was using. He was an older teenager at the time. He had taken himself to the grocery store. And he brought home the same kind of cream cheese my grandmother had used when I was a kid. And I, it took me right back to sitting in her kitchen, watching her spread cream cheese on saltine crackers for me as an after school 
And I had totally forgotten about it. And what was so interesting is once that memory resurfaced and I took a few minutes to jot it down, that memory is mine to keep. I don't have to worry so much about losing that to the recesses of time because I have it now and I've captured it somewhere. And all I have to do is take a flip through my journals and all of it comes flooding right back. Oh, I love that. You you kept that. You own that. That's yours forever then in that in that form too, right? Yeah. Because, because our memories change over time. I mean, the ones we recall, I, I read... Um, a professor had done an experiment right after 9-11 had all his students write down what they remembered of the day. So a week or so afterward. And then I don't know how he got all of those back, but four years later, he had them come back and he handed them their own essays and didn't tell them and then told them after they read it, told them those were their essays. Many of them were like, no way, they're just pulling our leg because this isn't, they didn't remember it the same at all. So much had happened. So many other things had filtered in and that memory had been diluted over time. But because they had it written down, they had at least a snapshot of, this is what I thought at the time. And and do you see that in your own journaling? Oh, absolutely. And it's not even so much as the experiences I, I live or the things I remember. It's also the things that I do. And it's so funny. I work with a lot of folks who would call themselves high achievers, folks who set goals here and were happy to celebrate when we're here. And all of the tiny little baby steps to get to our goal, we we easily explain them away, right? They're, They're easy. They're no big deal. Anybody could do it. And we don't give ourselves the credit for all of the things we're doing that get us to the big goal. And What's funny, too, is once we get close to the big goal, we're already setting the next big goal. So we're never going to, you know, be happy celebrating what we've done. But taking the time to document those processes in our journals to even on a, you know, a weekly basis to check in and report to ourselves the progress that we're making has been a really eye opening experience for me and for so many others, because We grow to recognize that these little things we do that we don't feel like are a big deal in the moment are really a much bigger deal than we think. And they're moving us further along than we realize. And it's so helpful to have those on the days when we feel like we are just stuck and plateaued and not making any progress. Our journals allow us to really zoom out and take a look so we can see really how far we've come that we are not in the same place, that we have been growing and learning and changing. And so I think of all of the things that journaling can do for us, that might be what I love the most, is that it gives us perspective. It can help us zoom in to see the details of life and zoom out to see the bigger picture. And it's this beautiful art of zooming in and zooming out, I think that can help um, buoy us up when we are feeling frustrated or disappointed or discouraged um, and really be able to leave a record of the clues of our success and whatever that means to us, whether it's our personal growth or our professional development or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. One of the, one of the few things, and I, I like that you, you expand journaling beyond just one of these to Facebook. Facebook has the memories page and the same things on the same day. And one, one day I was feeling a little discouraged about my running and I looked and on that same day, like eight years before I had come home from work and didn't feel like running, but went ahead and did it anyway and got in my two miles. I hate two miles. I'm still early in my, that same day, a few years later, I did five miles after a tough day at work that I didn't want to run. <laughs> you see a pattern here. And then the day I read that, I had just completed uh, a, a huge segment for my marathon training. So I was, I was up. So there I was barely eking out two miles, five miles to training for a marathon. And just over time, it's like, oh, wow, you know, you just kind of forget how far you've come. I literally used to run for a minute, walk for four minutes and run for a minute. And, yeah. and you, I know that, but that spark of that memory and it, and I felt so inspired 
you know, because, and, and each day I didn't want to run, but I ran. So I think that's a good example of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, I love that. And I love how journaling, again, as you said, is more than just what we put in here. And there are so many people who do things they don't even realize are journaling. I have, I have a friend who's significantly older than me, big, tough guy, who's like, oh, journaling's for girls. And I was like, really? really? That's interesting. What's that notebook on your on your kitchen table? And he's like, oh, that's my morning book. And I was like, cool, tell me about it. And he's like, well, you know, I get up in the morning, I make my cup of coffee, and I sit and I think about what I'm going to do that day. And I write about my plans and I write about what I want. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting because that's journaling. And he swore up and down that he doesn't, you know, didn't journal. <laughs> now he refers to it as his journal. But it took a long time for him to wrap his head around because he was in his mind, he was just planning. But mm. there are so many people who do things that are at least journal-esque. You know, going back to what you said about running, there's so many people who will keep a workout log, right? I keep a workout log when I lift because I have a hard time remembering my sets and reps from, you know, one workout to the next. And the only thing that I need to do to really level it from a workout log to a journal is take a moment to reflect, right? How did my workout go? Was I rested when I went into my workout? Was I well hydrated? Was, you know, was I feeling in good physical shape? You know, I know, oh, my my right shoulder was clicky and my left knee was tweaky, right? So I go back and not just remember, oh, here's what I lifted on that day, but it took me back to the circumstances around it. So if I lift, if I don't lift as heavy, you know, on one particular day and I'm feeling sorry for myself because of it, I can go back and say, oh, well, this was the day that I felt exceptionally good and here were the things that I did. And it gives me the clues and the patterns that I can duplicate so that I can, you know, find that success again and build on it. I love that. Especially, so I'm, my, my, most of my career was in continuous improvement and people so often have no idea how they did well one day, you know, and cause it, call it uh, positive deviation. And so your deviant behavior in, in a good sense. <laughs> was what did you do that day? What, one of my favorite cartoons, I think it's Glassman is the guy that did, I'll try and give him credit. But anyways, a, a woman standing with a guy and, and there's a chart behind them and it's got the zigzag of like a stock market and, and this giant peak in the middle. And then it's, and the woman says to the other guy, hey, find out who co made coffee that day. Like, what's the difference, right? What is, what happened? And, and so documenting that and keeping track and, and metrics it is that that not only memory device, but sounds like the the key to finding those days when you did certain things right or things went better or who made the coffee that day, right? Yeah. And what I love about journaling, too, is we can use it for as many areas of our lives as we want to. I have a journaling practice that encompasses my personal life, my professional life, my relationships. It, I mean, it runs the gamut. But for people who just want to have a singular area of focus, right, you can have a journal just for work where you spend 10 minutes at the end of every workday reflecting on your progress, right? You can have a journal that you use. There's a technique called interstitial journaling that I think is so interesting. It's journaling throughout your day. And every time you finish a task, you take just a moment and you document the time, what you just finished how it went, you know, your quick reflection on it, and then what the next step is for you. What are you going to do next? And it's something I don't do nearly often enough. And I, I'm not sure why, because every time I do it, I am so focused and so productive and so in tune with my work and how I feel. I mean, it's just, it's really cool because that is, you know, when I talk about having tools in our toolbox, such a different way than how I normally journal. So my journaling, um, in the, I journal in the morning because that's what works best for me. And every page of my journal looks pretty much like this. Okay. It's not fancy. And in this book goes stream of consciousness journaling. So I wake up in the morning 
And all of the thoughts I have in my brain, I plunk them on the page. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. And part of it is um, capturing the thoughts that I wake up with. And part of it is um, waking up my creativity by clearing away the cobwebs and giving the stuff in my brain a place to a place to park so that I can have room in my brain to think and plan and be. Um, and I always do some of that. And sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. I write until I feel like I'm done. Um, then I have this sheet. And David, I think you're going to love um, love this. This is my one pager I created. Right. And I created it out of my need for more structure in my journaling. And over the last couple of years, it's really grown and evolved. So I have a space at the at the top for the date. I always write out the date longhand because if I don't, I find time goes by too quickly. And I need to write the date in all of my journaling to not just know what day I was thinking about it, but also to ground myself in space and time. I have my schedule and my to-do list and a habit tracker, which some folks would look at and say, oh, that's journaling. Like, yeah, this is very much part of my journaling process. Um, I write my guiding theme for the year. Every year I pick a word. This year I have two. Um, and I write them every morning by hand so that I remember that I have them. One year I had this beautiful word I picked out. I wrote it somewhere lovely and I closed the page in my journal and I forgot that it existed until the end of the year when I went to reflect on it. So anything that's important that I really want to remember and integrate, and actually my two words this year, I chose two, they're implement and integrate. I write by hand because it matters. And then I have a spot where I write my Iki verse. Every day I write my verse. And it helps me remember, oh, that I have it. And B, what are the components of it? And it serves really as a touchstone for me as I move throughout my day, as I move throughout my week and my life of what is important to me. Why am I here? What am I doing here? So when I have a choice to make, I'm able to come back to it and use that as my marker. Does this help me? My key verse is, I cultivate growth through curiosity, creativity, communication, and connection. If I have a choice of something to do and it doesn't help support me in this or my gifts can't help with that, it is not a choice for me. So taking the time to document that every day has been really profound and powerful. I set a new moon intention for myself every month and I write that out as well. And then I have some intention setting questions which guide me in things like, how will I live my Ikigai today? How, what does my new moon intention look like in action? How am I going to show up for myself? Who else needs me today? And how can I show up for them? So all of this is part of my journaling practice. Um, and I don't necessarily do it the same every day. Sometimes I do some parts of it and not the other. Some days I do all of it. Some days I just, I really listen to what I need and use my journaling to meet myself where I'm at. Yeah. Great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I do like that a lot. And for, for those not familiar with Ikiverse, we're gonna, I want to talk about that here in a minute. But that's just an articulation, a sentence, right, for your, that you can express your guy, be able to share that with others and yourself, right? Reinforce that for yourself. And it's that expressed purpose, right? Yeah. So, so you have that form. I have th this, and as you can probably see from my handwriting, it's encrypted, so no one can read it. Uh, I sometimes can't remember or can't read it. <laughs> but is there a difference in the handwritten? You mentioned your handwrite a few things. Is there a value in that over typing and, and voice? I will say this with a, with a caveat that I will put at the end. There are benefits of writing by hand that we don't get any other way. There's all kinds of science behind it. But essentially, as we write, we're also scribing things in our, in our brain that we are making connections that make it easier to retrieve and, and to find that information later. That when it's kind of like when we write our grocery list on a piece of paper and then conveniently, so conveniently, forget it on the kitchen table when we're at the grocery store, right? Really? When Does I that write happen? by hand, I can remember most of the things on my list. 
even though it's not with me because I've taken the time to do it. When I, when I text it or I type it, I don't have that same recall. That being said, there are some people who don't like to write by hand. They may have some limitations that keep them from writing by hand. There are some people who just think, if I have to write by hand, I'm not going to do it. And I always say the best way to journal is the way that works best for you. So if you are motivated by typing it, absolutely cool, do it. If you know, you're motivated by using an app and you can, you know, just thumb type away. Awesome. Do it. It's more important that you journal than how you journal. Okay. And then I know we've talked about the, because you've gone through a tier. So, so I have this notebook I've written in, but I have one right, right off camera here that I can't reach without being a weird. I've never written in it. It is so nice. It is so beautiful. <laughs> and I, I probably will never write in it. Have you, have you experienced that? Have you heard others experience it? Yeah. So what I hear all the time from people is, I'm going to journal when I find the perfect journal. And folks go out and they hunt for that journal, <laughs> right? That is going to really light them up and make them want to write. And then they bring it home and they're like, oh, well, I can't write in it because it's too beautiful. I don't want to ruin it which says more about our perfectionistic tendencies and all kinds of things than it does about the actual journal. But I had a journal. It was an Italian leather journal I was given as a wedding present in 2001. And I didn't write in it because it was lovely and it was beautiful. And I didn't know what I was going to put in this beautiful Italian leather book. And I carried it around for years. And I moved seven times in 10 years and then stayed put for 10 years, and then about two years ago, found it. So this is 2022. It's like 20 years I've carried this book around, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to put something in it. And I used it to do some really sloppy health tracking. Like, I didn't even use my nice penmanship. Like, it just, it was sloppy. And part of me was like, I should really use this book for something nice. And then I thought, I've been letting it sit for 20 years. Like, it is now filling a purpose for me because I've chosen to put it in put it in use. I always say to people, find something that's going to work for you. I use <laughs> this is my journal. It's nothing fancy. It is a hardcover journal. I like it because it lays flat. The pages are pretty smooth and the lines are pretty close together. And it cost me $7.42 at my local okay. everything store. And I go through about four of them a year. So that's all I want to spend on my journaling. But for other people, they might want to invest in a, in a nicer book because that will help motivate them to show up and do it. Other people do their best writing in a composition book with a pencil, right? So I love that there's so much... There's so much opportunity for expression just in the tools that we choose to use. Yeah, I love that. I'm glad that I'm not alone in that, not, not wanting to write in it. Plus, plus, don't you think it's also, it's got to be worthy or it's, it's just almost a blank page sort of thing too, right? But with a journal. Yeah, so I'm laughing because I'm remembering a couple of years ago, I found this beautiful quote that I wanted to write in my new journal on the first of the year. I had timed it, so I was starting a new one on January 1st. And I'm copying the quote onto the first page. And I got ahead of myself because I was so excited and then skipped a line. So already my, <laughs> my first entry, the first page of my brand new journal, totally ruined, right? Or not. But I scribbled the line out and I finished it. And then I proceeded to write all about, well, I guess this is going to be how my life is this year. It's not going to be perfect, but it's what I make of it, right? And being able to have that perspective. Um, once upon a time, I couldn't have had that perspective or wouldn't have had that perspective, right? But journaling really helped me in that moment to, to not beat myself up for falling short because I had wanted this to be such a beautiful thing, you know? We're human, and our journals really are a reflection of who we are at this point in time. They're a snapshot of our lives, and I think that's really cool, 
that I can open up my journal to any particular day and immediately be transported to the person I was in that place and time. Yeah, and that is a beautiful thing. You're right. Yeah, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I think we've talked about that before. And, and people, people get hung up on that for sure. So let's talk about, let's, let's transition then into your Geekiverse work because I think it's really supercharged your journaling, right? And I'll just, for those who are not familiar, Ikigai is about, my definition of Ikigai is about experiencing your essence, who you are at your deepest level, your purpose, why you're here, and all of that in harmony with whatever you do. And then uh, I created the Ikiverse concept because it's easier than to both understand ourselves, kind of like journaling, right? You're writing it out. And then you can share it with other people. And, and Amanda, you have created uh, your Ikiverse, which is one of the best ones. I, I love, I love your Ikiverse. Uh, so many times people have their first, first iteration, which is, which is great. We're, you know, we're, we're allowing for imperfection, but it's almost a corporate mission statement. And it's like part of my coaching is helping them get beyond that to something that can really touch your heart and that you can incorporate in every part of your life. So if you would, would you share both yours again and then your experience rather than creating it? Yeah. So my verse is, I cultivate growth through curiosity, creativity, communication, and connection. The, the process of creating my Ikiverse was really interesting for me because I took your workshop when you offered it last year. And prior to that workshop, in and on my own, not knowing what your workshop entailed, I had done so many of the exercises on my own. There's a values component in that. And I had done that. And what was interesting to me was when I sat down to intentionally clarify my values, it didn't take me very long at all because I had done so much journaling that I was like, oh, well, clearly here are my answers, right? So it's the years of work I had done not necessarily even knowing why I was doing it or what I was getting from it all the time really showed up for me to help to help me really discover who I was and be able to articulate. So putting these pieces together, my so four, well, yeah, I hear five values in there, right? Growth is a huge important value for me. And I'm always looking to learn and grow and develop and become better and become more of me. And it's through curiosity, creativity, communication, and connection that I get there and I find it in myself and I find it and help other people with it as well. And I love the word cultivate in there. It's a nod to my love of gardening. This is a word that actually my friend Val suggested because my first word was foster. I foster growth. And she was like, do you really foster it? Or maybe like, do you cultivate it? And I was like, oh, and the imagery of just being in my garden, right? The garden of, of my life, using, using my skills and my meanness to be able to really cultivate beautiful things just brought me so much joy. So yeah, I, I love having this verse. I write it every day. It's on my whiteboard at work. Um, I have doodled it in more places than you can imagine. I've doodled it kind of like a, a teenager in high school writing their boyfriend's name, except I, I doodle my Ikiverse. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and what, what I've noticed with, with you is it's you're, you're a wife, you're a, a mother, you're a librarian, you're a gardener. You're, you're applying that in all of those, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting for me to think about all of the ways my Ikigai shows up or all of the ways I express it. And even just coming back to this verse, right? I cultivate growth through curiosity, creativity, communication, and connection, right? I think about my relationships. That's what I bring to my relationships. I ask a whole lot of questions to everybody in my life. I love when I ask a question and someone says, oh, well, I've never been asked that before, right? And just be able to use my curiosity to build that connection, right? 
creativity, being creative in the ways that I show up for people or show up for myself, being really attentive to how I communicate, making sure that when I'm talking to people, I take responsibility for the words and the tone and all of the parts of communication that come out of me. And when I'm listening to others, taking responsibility for what I hear and what I understand and clarifying what I don't. And all of that leads to the most beautiful connection that when I'm doing that, whether towards others or just within myself, I just, you know, experience this connection that fosters and cultivates growth. Yeah. So you're able to apply that though in, in everything, not your jobs, not your career, right? You yeah. do it with your kids and, and helping them and your relationship with your husband and others. I love that with the listening. Oh, you're questing, you're questing, see? Yeah, I love it. And I love it too, because I do all, I've always said I do all of the things. I'm an all the things doer, right? I have you know, I have these roles that I play. I have a full-time job, a part-time job, a business that I'm growing. I have relationships of all kinds that are important to me. And I have more hobbies than anyone has business doing. But all of them fill a need for me. And all of them allow me to, to express who I am in different ways. I have friends who and family who tease me because I'm always looking to learn new things. And I'm always taking workshops from basket weaving to candle making to picking up calligraphy, right? And each one of these things too is an expression of my guy because it's through these things that I learn how to do that I'm able to share my gifts with others, that I'm able to be of service to others, that I'm, be, that I'm able to brighten other people's day or help them to learn something new. I think of calligraphy. Mostly I use calligraphy to address Christmas cards and wedding yeah. invitations, right? So I'm not using it to create anything for myself. It's a gift that I give away that brings joy to other people because who does not like finding a handwritten letter in their mailbox and bonus when it's addressed in calligraphy, right? And you're not expecting it. It's just an extra delight we can bring to the world. And we each have these little gifts that we can use in different ways to really bring joy to others. Yeah, I love that. And, and it's such a great example of the idea of your essence and your purpose in harmony with whatever you're doing. Yeah. So I want to, I want to maybe come up with some summary thoughts here. So if people, there's someone out there that's been listening, they're all jazzed about journaling. They're all jazzed about even their verse and maybe, maybe doing some journaling connects with that. What would be a Kaizen? What would be a small incremental thing that they could do to get started today? Today. Go out and buy a $500 journal. Is that what you would say? No, you wouldn't suggest that? I always start with defining what you want journaling to do for you. Because if you can articulate why you want to journal, and because so-and-so told me I should, isn't a helpful reason, right? If you can really think about what you want your journaling to do for you, that is the first best step. Because from there, we can find you the techniques and tools that will put you on the path to make that happen. So I would say that is like the first small step, which is really a big step, actually, is to be able to spend the time to think about it. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. And then I would say, just get started. Start with where you are. You don't have to go out and buy a fancy Italian leather notebook. You can use whatever you already have. It doesn't even have to be a notebook. Most of my journal, much of my journaling is on these sheets of paper I print off that live on a clipboard. So really just start with where you are. And even if you are writing one line a day, one sentence a day, that counts. It counts more than we realize. Because every little bit we do just adds up to these beautiful practices. Because it's always better to do a little bit and feel good about what we do than try to take on too much and beat ourselves up for falling short. I love that, especially the small thing. So, so a line or a couple minutes, not I've got a journal for an hour a day for the rest of my life. It seems very, yeah. very overwhelming, right? Okay, yeah. so one line, one minute. 
one whatever in, in a anything journal, right? Yep. Okay. I love yep. that. And definitely to celebrate what you do and feel good about it. Because when we start something new, it doesn't always feel good, right? It's our brains are changing, our habits are changing. And the things that we write, I will say, I never give myself a quota for how much I write. And I never expect every day to look the same. There are some days I sit down and I have beautiful aha moments of deep discovery. And there are other days I'm just writing about the weather, right? No matter what we write, it all counts. Because if we take a moment to tap in and listen to ourselves and what we need in that moment and use our journaling to deliver it, no matter what we do, it's the right thing. I like that. I think we'll, I think we'll close with that. And it has been awesome having you today. And if people want to reach out or want to learn more about it, how's the best way to connect with you? Yeah. The best way really right now is to find me on LinkedIn. I am there just about every day sharing journaling related content. So yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn at Amanda Stern Journals. Amanda Stern Journaling is what it is. Yeah. Okay, I'll put it in the uh, I'll put in the link in the show notes. They can also learn how to make a great peanut butter sandwich from you. Is that right? That's <laughs> right. I did write a post about that the other day. That was great. I, I think that's that's a, actually maybe a good example of of something fun you could do that just write out, you know, what you, what you're thinking about it. But I, I highly urge people that like peanut butter sandwiches to read read that post because it was just this is awesome. Made me want to have one right then. Crunchy, crunchy peanut butter, I think it was. And I, I like crunchy. Nice. All right. I'm also well, on Team Crunchy. There we go. Oh, oh, now that's our next, that's our next yep. thing. I'll have to do a poll or something. That she, <laughs> my granddaughter will not do crunchy. She wants smooth peanut butter. She's very, very specific about that. At any rate, well, again, it has just been so great having you and talking with you. And I know that people are going to, going to glean great insights from this and Looking forward to all the, the stories that we'll hear about the journey that people are doing. So once again, Amanda, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. Thank you, David.